0: And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast
1: with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. And we have a guest today. His name is Ricky Huerta. Ricky is um, hes from Chicago. Chicago, the Bears. Anyway, <laughs> but right now he's in Okinawa. hes uh, He's in the Air Force. He's an aircraft mechanic. Also, uh, and uh, he's in Okinawa right now. He's probably been all around the world, which is really cool. But anyway, he's here with us because he's the host of a podcast as well, the Leica Street Photography Podcast. And uh, don't let that turn you off if you're not into Leica because the big part is street photography. He talks to street photographers all over the place. Uh, they have very interesting conversations and uh, I highly recommend you add that to your list of podcasts? Because, you know, we just don't have enough street photography podcasts. So, anyway, Ricky, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. No, glad to. I've, you know, I've been a big fan of yours um, almost since you started. And we've even talked to at least one of the same person, which I, I people, anyway, I Craig, think that was pretty cool. Great club. Yeah, but before we get into things, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you get into photography, how you got into street photography, and why you're using Leica of all things. Okay. Uh, So my photography journey started about
0: 12 years ago, October, 2010. I remember the date because that was right around the time I first came to Okinawa and I met a group of photographers with my cousin who was a Marine He asked me to take him to a photo shoot, and I did. I had no idea what a photo shoot was, and it was very interesting to see. So basically, it was a group of photographers, and they were just dancing around them. They were taking turns, and they were showing these pictures, and they were editing the photos on the fly. It was just a completely different experience. Uh, I grew up artistic. I, I've done everything, um, but the photography aspect of creating really sparked my interest. So uh, the next week I picked up my first camera, which was a Nikon D 3000. I started with landscapes and I would shoot everything. Every day, as soon as I got off of work, I would just grab my camera, drive around exploring and taking pictures. Um, started shooting portrait, portraits and I switched to Canon. Uh, along that line i shot canon for about eight years i had a family and traveling with a full frame camera backpack full of lenses and a (laughs) a small little child on your arm it kind of weighs you down so i switched to Fujifilm, and i will say i absolutely love the camera brand i have no problems um the x pro series is my favorite lineup from the fuji i actually did shoot with the gfx 50r and that was an amazing camera i shot it street using in street photography as well it's it's really good if you can get a hold of how the autofocus works Uh, and (laughs) i shot Fujifilm for about five years before i switched over to leica and my first leica was an m3 and ever since then i just it was the leica magic if you know about it you do if not then hopefully you will feel it one day uh but ever since then i converted over and i've been shooting leica exclusively
2: and i love it that's funny you had about the same journey i did except i didn't start with nikon but
0: of <laughs> all the cameras i'm hmm?
1: sorry
0: i've shot pretty much every camera brand out there and, and nikon was the one i liked the least so uh, really? i have nothing against the brand i just i I didn't like it personally
1: yeah you know I, I don't think you can buy a bad camera nowadays they're all i mean they're all so good and uh yeah i yeah i shot canon for years and years switched to fuji same reason mm-hmm. and still have a lot of my fuji stuff and then then i started trying out Leica too and what can I say? It's addicting, <laughs> it, yeah, it really is. They're all addicting, but yeah, 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 it really is. But anyway, that's not why. We're, that's all we're here to talk about. Um, so, but anyway, you do uh, you do a podcast. You do the the like a street photography podcast, and uh, I mean, I really like it mainly because of the conversations you have with other street photographers. And like I said, we turns out we both interviewed same guy maybe about the same time and He's uh, but, a great guy too. pardon say that again uh craig clark's a great guy craig clark he is he is if, if you haven't uh, if you haven't heard him um make sure you listen to him on both of our shows i, <laughs> I met him i met him in person on the street in uh, fredericksburg virginia um i was judging a contest there and mm-hmm. well everybody was out shooting i went out and started shooting them and i ran into him and he had his uh is uh like a mq2m i had one i had just sold and we started talking here we've done all the same stuff he's really really a good photographer i gotta say
0: oh yeah anyway i, I love his street
1: portraits definitely yes. Really great yes he great does a look. lot of street portraiture well tell me how did you get into doing a podcast oh okay uh that was and why a year. why would you do that <laughs> It was a a year in the
0: making. Uh, Some people may hate me for this, but uh, this is my story, so I'm going to share it. Uh, I used to host a radio show in England, and I fell in love with that. So when I came to Okinawa, uh, my good friend, first street photographer I met in the military, he showed me Candela, which is Alan Schaller's podcast and. They were interviewing Joel Meyerowitz, which is my favorite street photographer. So I kind of got the idea. I was like, hey, I know how to talk on a radio. Podcasting's gotta be easy because you do it at your house. So I bought some equipment, which was just essentially a small little blue snowball mic. And that was it. Uh, I kept it in the box and I waited and waited, waited. And I kept telling myself, oh, I'll start when the time is right. Uh, The time is right, right now. So one day I was just sitting around drinking uh, some coffee and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start recording my podcast. Um, More, a little more information for that was after I heard the Candela podcasts, I, I kept searching for street photography podcasts. And like you said, there's not many of them. So I found a few and the few that I did find, I wasn't really a fan of. I didn't like their format. So I kind of gave up on listening to them, Ah. and I decided to start my own. (laughs) You you didn't listen to ours, did you? (laughs) Oh no, no, no! It it was uh, it was definitely other people. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, so I I do listen to yours, uh, but yeah. So there was just people talking about things essentially I don't want to listen to when they when they talk about street photography. It's always uh camera gear related and if i'm listening to a street photographer street photography podcast that's what i want to hear so that's why i started it and didn't i try to stay with the the mindset of just talking about the art and so far i'm doing
2: good yeah that's great that's great so who's who do you want to talk to i mean who
1: Who's who's on your list that you you know? Maybe, maybe it's a stretch to even get them on. So you actually be surprised. Uh,
0: I I do reach out to essentially everybody. I I connect through them with Instagram because I that's where I can see their work and I can see what kind of photography they're into. Uh, I do try to stick with street photographers and anyone kind of in that same mm-hmm. uh, genre. So uh, photojournalists, documentary photographers. Uh, candid street photographers, uh, street portrait photographers. So kind of in that whole scope of photography, taking in the streets and out of the studio, um, I reach out and nine times out of 10, people will agree to do it. Uh, I've had some pretty famous names uh, and I got some more lined up and I'm recording a lot and I'm trying to stay consistent with it with one episode a week. And that's the challenging part because everybody wants their episode up as soon as they're done. but you know, I'm trying to be fair, and yeah. one episode a week is good enough.
1: That's a lot.: That's a lot. We do it every other week, and it still seems a lot. But uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I was didn't even know this. I didn't know Alan Schaller had a podcast. I love his work
0: towards it anymore. Um, oh, okay. I have a love-hate relationship with Alan Schaller. I don't know him personally. Yeah. Um,
1: so I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. He uses the same gear you do, too. Well, being in the military, you've lived in a lot of places. You already mentioned it. You lived in England. You live in o- Okinawa now, which is not far from Japan. And uh, matter of fact, I've heard you talk on the podcast. You said that... uh you get to go over to tokyo a
2: lot and so i just wonder what i mean what's what's your favorite place to shoot ah so i have to say
0: it's a tie between tokyo and london london is a different experience Mm -hmm. Um, the reason why i love london so much is because you can go to the same part of town and it's always different and the candid moments that come out of London are like no other city I've been to. And I've been to quite a lot. Uh, Tokyo, I love just because of the population. Um, They're a little more reserved than the Europeans. So you don't get as many candid moments, which I typically like to look for. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they are there. They're extremely difficult to find. But if you're patient, as anything else, it will come to you. So um, that's... Pretty much, yeah, Tokyo and London are, are my two favorite places to shoot.
1: Wow. Yeah, and you talked about you, you like candid moments. I mean, what, you know, is that what you're typically looking for, like street scenes? Or you do more individuals? But, you know, what, what do you gravitate to? Uh, so I'm
0: a type of person where I, I, I don't like to stay in, in one location for whatever it is I'm doing. And what I mean by that is like photography. Um, I get to a point where I feel I'm really good at something, and then I need to go to try something else and try to perfect that technique. Uh, not be the best person in the world, just be the best at it that I can be. Uh, so when I started learning street photography, it was candid moments, interesting characters, and in pretty much the typical street photography photo most people are are known to see uh and i got i'm not gonna say I'm the best obviously i'm no one no one is uh, except if your name is henry Cartier bresson but uh so i just i wanted to try to learn different techniques so uh, I do still occasionally majority of the time when I'm out shooting looking for candid moments but i, I look for interesting scenes altogether uh the covid pandemic kind of uh, put me in a place where I, I find myself taking pictures of things I wasn't interested in before. Mm-hmm. So now I see it differently. And I pretty much kind of like to say documentary style, candid moment photographer.
1: Cool. Yeah. T- speaking of COVID, were you guys locked down pretty tight last year, year before? Yeah. When it,
0: when it came to Okinawa, uh, we had a really good run with it <laughs> before I got here. Uh, and then, when it got here, the island was so small, it just kind of blew up. And we were locked down pretty much to our house and being military, we still have to work. So uh, mm-hmm. we we're kind of like, well, why are we still working in the pandemic?" And uh, eventually, i mean, every everyone's main concern was safety. So we were safe and we worked. um, but essentially, we weren't working. We were in our house, and it was challenging. So that's kind of where. The evolution of taking pictures of stuff I wasn't interested in before came.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that going around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wound up walking in the forest a lot, taking pictures of trees. You know, I love the woods. I love being outdoors, but pictures of trees are pretty boring.
0: (laughs) Well, if you can make it interesting,
1: right? I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. So when you, when you work on the street, all right we got to talk gear a little bit. I mean, mean, what do you take? What do you have with you? I bet you don't have a backpack anymore. One camera, one uh, lens kind of a thing.
0: So I am a one camera, one lens kind of person, but not because of the whole cliche. You need to focus on one camera, one lens and learn Mm -hmm. how it works. Uh, I use one camera, one lens because uh, I'm getting older and I don't want the weight. So whatever camera and lens I choose for today is what I'm shooting with. Uh, I'll take a small little pouch
1: and it's just, it's either holding film or batteries. Well, yeah, that's true. If you're shooting film yeah. and what, uh, what focal length do you work with most of the time? So my favorite go-to 95% of
0: the time is 35.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love the 35.
1: Okay. So, uh what's your what's your workflow on the street i mean how do you i mean how do you're out there in, in the middle of tokyo Mm
2: -hmm. how are you working uh if i'm walking through heavy foot traffic areas i'm fast
0: uh and that's why i I like to go with just the one camera one lens Mm -hmm. i'm i'm moving in and out of crowds as fast as i can Uh, zone focusing which is essential (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, you need to really know your zone um if you if you don't know how zone focusing works practice it uh, and you really want to master your distance on the focus scale so uh, i'm always zone focused uh pretty much uh for my exposures i just use the sunny 16 rule and Mm -hmm. it nails exposure pretty much but I i know how to compensate so wherever I'm at, if I'm looking for a different look, if I want a nice um, overexposed look, I'll go half step over or uh, I'm a shadow lover, so I like to go under for shadows. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much ISO 400 and 500 on the shutter speed and whatever aperture for the light conditions.
1: Yeah, now I did hear you say the other day, you're starting to use auto ISO. Yes. and uh, why are you doing that? So you can just, so you know you've got your shutter speed right and your aperture um, right and just let that float?
0: Believe it or not, the auto ISO will still give you um, different exposures. I use spot metering. Mm-hmm. So depending on where the light meters from, you'll get a, a completely different exposure, even if you take a, a picture of the same scene. Uh, but the auto ISO uh, came from uh, Tony Mobley. I'm, sure you're mm-hmm. familiar with him he's a dc shooter uh and when i was having a conversation with him he's like pretty much how i shoot but he's like auto iso because he's always in and out and every the lighting mm-hmm. condition, conditions are always changing uh, i don't want to say i was anti-auto settings because i was shooting full manual and full manual is the iso shutter mm-hmm. speed aperture uh, and i still do it uh but The auto ISO is actually, it's really convenient. And that's because Tokyo has really tall buildings and you can go in a dark alley as soon as you turn the corners. So, um, like I said, I'm fast moving and I don't want to be stuck trying to switch my ISO. So the thing I like about the auto ISO is I can set my ranges. So I know my low side and my high side and
1: it works. Yeah, it's... um you know it's funny. You know you hear people say, "I never use auto. I never ever do that." You know, and they're just like dogmatic about it. You yeah. know, I never do this, and you can't do that, and and it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, whatever works for you is is what's most important. I think that's true. I think getting the picture
0: uh, once you get, there, you know, when when you're first learning street photography, everyone's always, "Oh, the rules of street photography. You got to shoot f/8, and you need to shoot full manual." Uh, if you know what you're doing and you know how your camera works, then you can use auto, right? Yeah, sure. I don't see a problem with it. And there's not, uh, there's really no rules to street photography. So uh, whatever you need to do to get your picture is what
1: you should do. Yeah. I agree with you. There are no rules. Uh, mainly you see that in forums
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it, Probably a lot of those people don't even step outside half the time.
0: Um, that was also something one of the reasons why I started my podcast, because just it was always the rules that you need to shoot at F eight. If you're not shooting at F eight, then you're not a street photographer. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta shoot aperture priority. Just just you shoot what how you shoot and how you make your image. Essentially, yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think the most important thing is you know how the camera works and how you're comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, then it's downhill from there. Um, So you're zone focusing, but you have to. I mean, you've got manual focus. Mm -hmm. You really have to zone focus. I mean, how how long did it take you to get comfortable just going to manual focus? Because you switch from Fuji, which, you know, of course you can – You can
0: it took a a little while. Um, but I like to I'm I'm a fast learner. And like I said, when I when I'm focused and dedicated on something, that's all I want to do. And I shoot pretty much every day. So every day I would pretty much practice my zone focusing. Uh it took a while to to learn where I want my critical focus. and but I'm pretty good with it now. And like I said, I can set it where my uh, the range that I like to shoot at comfortably and I can just walk around and I'll shoot. And I know my picture is in focus. I don't, I don't, I don't chimp uh, unless I go to a cafe and I have some time. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't need to, cause I know i my foot, my image will be in focus.
1: I'd like to take a quick break to thank the street photography magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast, or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. So do you think much before you shoot? I've been talking to Craig, Craig Litton a lot, who you may want to talk to, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, and he always says, shoot, don't think. Shoot, don't think. And I was out the other day, and I'm looking at something, and I go, gee, should I shoot that? Could I do this, do that? And, I, and then his words come into my head, shoot, don't think. So I, just, I was just doing that all day, and it, it made a huge difference. I have to say yes and no. So yeah. when, when you're shooting
0: in the streets, there's going to be times where I don't have time to think and you don't essentially have time to shoot. Uh, hopefully you have really good reflexes. I don't walk around with my camera in my eye all the time, but mm-hmm. when I see something I want to take a picture of, I'm trying to move as fast as I can to shoot. So that's the shoot, don't think part. Uh, but then there's times, like I said, where I see myself taking pictures of the stuff I wasn't interested in. So I'll be walking and I see something that looks interesting. And then I try to think about how I can make it an image that I wanted to capture. So, um, film really taught me how to slow down. Mm-hmm. I will say that. And, and it kind of taught me how to look for how to make something interesting.
2: Yeah, that's
1: a good point. What, uh, yeah, speaking of film, I mean, are you shooting more film lately? Yes. Um, since I
0: started shooting film, I shoot film and digital, um, but I try to typically shoot more film. I find it more enjoyable. Um, if anyone who listens to your podcast and listens to my podcast knows, <laughs> the only thing I don't like about film is the development process. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the worst. Uh, it is fun when you do it and it's your first time doing it, but when you shoot as much film as i do and you just have i just actually dropped off about 22 rolls earlier uh, oh. i don't want to develop that yeah so um that's the part i don't like about film well, which film are you shooting ah uh, everything right now so yeah. i got when i got into film I, I wanted to shoot every film stock just to kind of have a comparison so i actually bought so much film when I was in England, this was like three or four years ago. I'm still, <laughs> so I'm still happy. shooting that film. Oh my God. I do have my favorites, which is a uh, Fujifilm Acros, black and white, mm-hmm. uh, Kodak Tri-X, Kodak Portra for color. Um,
1: and they don't make it anymore, but Fujifilm Pro 400H.
2: So you've got somebody in Okinawa that, that processes silver? Yes, there's a one camera
0: shop, but they actually send it to mainland Japan and it takes about two weeks to get back. Wow. Uh which is okay because it, it gives me enough time to shoot more rolls. <laughs> it's it's a continuous process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It buys you a lot of time though. I mean when it when it comes back. Oh yeah. Kind of gotten rid of the emotion of the moment. Yeah. Yeah, we're lucky we've got a, a shop here in town that, that processes just about everything, and then they scan it and, send, <laughs> and 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 uh i I dropped some off once, and by the time I had to run some errands by the time I got home, I had a we transfer file in my email there it was already done so when I was in England, and i I
0: used to develop my film, I say used to because I ran out of chemicals and I don't plan on buying anymore because the process takes too long. I do know how to develop my own film, but uh I just let the professionals do that for me, Uh, but I do scan my own film. I bought the scanner when I decided I wanted to develop. So I I got an Epson and that's another process I do enjoy, but it just, it's just time consuming. Um, so when I do get my film developed, it's just developed only. And I do my own scan.
2: Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, um, so you're walking around with an old film camera.
1: And you've got a pretty nice, probably a couple of pretty nice digital bodies just sitting on the shelf gathering dust, huh? Uh, not, well, yeah, <laughs> they do. I can't help it. That's all right.
0: I do try to use uh, all my cameras.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you paid a few dollars for me. Might as well. Uh, hey, I want to go back to zone focusing again, uh, manual focusing. I mean, this is more for my my personal interest, but, um, uh, mm-hmm. okay. You walk out the door. Do you usually have it set at, uh, did you usually have it set at infinity and then you just move it from there? I mean, cause you know, you really have to develop muscle memory. So the
0: muscle memory focus, um, I practice from time to night, from time to time. Um, but when I'm shooting on the 35, uh, I keep it at five meters. Mm -hmm. because um the back end of the f8 or f so i try to typically stay f16 11 and Mm -hmm. 8 but again in okinawa it kind of rains a lot so sometimes i'll have to go to five six but uh i'll keep it at five meters because i know at five meters everything's going to be in focus behind it so um I got the muscle memory, so when I'm shooting, I can do that. Uh, and with the five meters, it's probably like two meters in front of me that's in focus. So uh, if I'm shooting far, I know everything's in focus. And then if I need to move closer, I can just move the barrel.
2: Yeah, and you're, you're probably not going to get much
1: closer than six feet to somebody anyway.
0: I get pretty close, actually,
1: oh, really, then you said oh, then you, yeah. have make, you have to make have to adjust, yeah. yeah, Robert Kappa said if you're not if your photos yeah. aren't good enough, you're <laughs> not close enough, so. yeah, that's true, yeah that's what he, it's true that he said that,
2: but sometimes you got to be close mentally too, yeah yeah, man, so um Chicago, oh, you know, we don't see many street photographers
1: from Chicago, maybe they just don't don't get how much are you back there much? Do you get to get to shoot in Chicago? I think it's a great place to photograph.
0: It is. uh, I've only shot street photography in Chicago once. um, And that's because I didn't get into street photography until late in my photography career. And that was uh, about 2018 when I started. And I've only been to Chicago once since then. So I only oh, wow. shot one, one time in Chicago street
1: photography. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the weather's not great. Uh, you know, I come from a, a cloudy place that's cloudier than Chicago. I moved to Virginia and it's sunny all the time. I had a hard time adjusting to that. <laughs> it's, it's too sunny here. I like the clouds, you know. It, but
0: it uh, I'm a, So I'm from Chicago. I, obviously, we said that. Uh, I hate the cold. <laughs> um, but i do i, I prefer the
2: sun um, but kind of cloudy days i think are needed yeah i you know when it gets cloudy here i think oh good i'm
1: going out to shoot you know i've got this nice giant soft box in the sky everything's consistent also living in england i had
0: friends who were street photographers as well and they would not shoot if it was overcast they just they love light so much that sure. if it was cloudy, they wouldn't shoot. And I'm the opposite. I want to shoot every day, regardless of the light. Yeah. So I was out shooting and they were just doing whatever they were doing. They must not have got much done, especially well. in the wintertime. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. Ask me. What made you switch from Fujifilm to Leica?
2: You know, that's a really good question. And, uh, I think, I think I probably
1: used like in a past life or something. I have always gravitated towards rangefinder style camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I was years ago, before Fuji even came along, I I had a Canon G7, which looked like a, a rangefinder. You know, I mm-hmm. had big cannons too, and I don't know. I, I just I think. When I was a kid, we had a neighbor who was an avid photographer, and I, I didn't know what brand he had at the time. I'm sure it was a Leica. He was, always had the best of everything. And so it's just always been in my head to have that smaller style camera. Um, and then, you know, growing up in the 60s, 50s and 60s, you know, I always looked at the... Um, life magazine that my parents got and i just you know just love that style of photography and
2: you know of course a lot of those people carried carried that camera so um and then i then i used one i was at the miami street photography festival in 2018
1: like i had a big table there and you couldn't pick anything out and use it and so i shot with the m10 and it's a good thing. If I would have picked up the Q at the time, I probably would have bought one before I got home. But <laughs> so I so I tried the M10. It just, you know, it just feels so nice and something about the lenses. I it's it's indescribable, but it just has a different
2: look. Um you probably know what I mean. And I don't know I like that they're simple. Yep. You know, there's okay. uh, even the Q, the Q2. It's
1: you know it's modern, a very modern camera and everything, but it's still very simple. And there's not a lot of screwing around with it. Mm-hmm. You just go out and shoot. I yeah.
0: way I didn't answer
1: your question very well. No, no,
0: no. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean because that's essentially what happened to me when I held the M3 i held it and i bought it Uh, that was just the how that happened
2: but i know exactly what you mean um i i love the fact and that leica has not many settings so you focus on just photography yep so
0: that is something that i do appreciate about it is i don't have to dig in the menu to try to find something that i don't know how to use so
1: yeah, you know, I had the the Fuji X100 series since it came out, mm-hmm. um, and I got used to having one one camera, one lens, shooting with the 35 equivalent, and so it was no big deal to me to you know work with a, a prime. And I don't even own a zoom lens anymore, <laughs> and um, you know, but on the on the X100 as much as i loved it you know the buttons are a little small and i always bump bump into them bump the wrong button um and you know the like is a little bit bigger
2: um but i don't know it's all almost indescribable but it's just it feels good yeah
0: i'm the same way i shoot primes only and even when i was shooting with fuji film uh the only zoom lens I had was the 18 to 55, which was amazing lens. But yeah, it really is. Uh, I just, it's so much better for me using a prime lens that I don't have to worry about zooming in when I'm in those large crowds. And like I said, I move fast. So uh, if I'm trying to zoom, I'm missing
1: potential shots. Yeah. And you you look like a tourist. I like looking like a tourist. People don't pay attention to you. That's true. The um, I know I uh, I know a lot of people you know, a lot of other photographers do other things and, and they you know I say well you know you just you're out there with one lens you know what if, what if your your shot requires a long lens like oh well, it's not my shot you know I get what I can get with what I've got.
2: A good answer. Uh, if, yeah. If it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Yep. Did I like to get close to yeah so you've got but you also i mean you have
1: digital bodies yes what uh which one do you use when you're shooting digital
0: uh i shoot with the m10 monochrome mm-hmm. um uh, when i shoot digital it's always black and white uh my social media is all in black and white yeah, and I people uh, i actually i had a little photo uh, i don't want to say exhibition but it was kind of like mm-hmm. that this one little art shop on base Uh, they agreed to sell my photos, and they were kind of put off by the fact that I delivered all majority black and white photos. (laughs) And the customers were like, "Well, only if this color was in photo." And I said, "Well, then this photo's not for you." (laughs) So, uh, needless to say, I'm a black and white shooter, regardless of what people feel or need to feel like. If if I need to shoot color, Uh, I don't. I do have a M10P, which Collects the majority of the dust. Wow. Uh, and I only shoot that when I go visit my daughter occasionally. Most times yeah. I'll still use the M10M.
1: Yeah.
2: So, all right. So you got the M10P color. What's the d- difference between shooting with a
1: monochrome versus a, a color camera, for lack of a better term, and then converting? why would you want a monochrome only body good that's the first time i've been asked that question um honestly (laughs) you know i asked that because i've gone through the same thing (laughs) the same thing in my head yeah there there is an official answer uh you get what's your answer (laughs) i know the official answer
0: (laughs) (laughs) my answer is the fifty-six thousand shades of gray yeah um I don't know. Just native black and white files just look so much better. Uh, now, when I was shooting Fujifilm, I like the fact that you can set the EVF to sh- to see the film simulation, mm-hmm. and I always used Acrof. That was it. Yep. So, um, that's pretty much where the black, the love for black and white photography came from. And it, whenever I'm taking photos, I see everything in black and white. The only time I shoot Color now is, like I said, if I'm taking pictures of my daughter or if I'm shooting with film. Uh, But other than that, even when I do use the M10P and I'm making street photos, I see everything black and white. So the color conversion is a little different. Mm -hmm. And it's just pretty much how it gradients from whites to black. For
2: me, I like the native look. Um. Yeah, I you know, I went through that. I got I had the Q two monochrome.
1: But I do mainly black and white myself. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a it's it's amazing. I mean, like you say, the fifty some thousand shades of gray and um but I just couldn't justify sometimes I want to shoot in color. Mm-hmm. I couldn't justify in my head having having two bodies, although I'm rethinking that, by the way. <laughs> You'll get it. <laughs> we'll be coming you know i mean the the, the the photos the the dng files that come out of those out of those cameras are, are like really flat and they're really just kind of gray looking and you you look at them you think why why do i have this but then when you start to tweak them a bit oh, yeah. they come to life it's it's really amazing i think um but you know
2: it's funny a lot of times when i shoot people on the street i'll give them I'll give them, I'll make prints for them. Mm -hmm. And I give them a black and white and a color. They always gravitate to the color.
0: What do they know? Right? Yeah. I think people like color because that's how we see. Yeah. And, and like I said, when, when people see my photos, even when I sell them, they're like, this would look really nice in color. Well, again, this photo is not for you, then. (laughs) Have you ever seen a sunset in black and white? me yeah like a sunset oh, yeah. photo in black and oh black. yeah yeah
1: but I i i made lots of them yeah yeah most people they they they
2: can't comprehend it like what am i looking at well, that's a sunset yeah yep yep good point so who's your well of course you said joe Meyerwitz is your favorite photographer mm-hmm. i mean why
1: Is not he always shoot in color he did. Uh,
0: he had a, a, a nice long career in black and white as well. Uh, but it was his, I just love his photography. Um, he shot in a different area, obviously, uh, and just the way he, he found his moments and, and that's kind of how I wanted to recreate mm-hmm. my street photography, uh, looking for similar moments as he did. Um, and one of my favorite photos of, of his was when he was in Paris and the guy with the hammer and the guy that's on the floor with a busted skull which did not get hit by the man with the hammer but uh that's the kind of stuff that i look for it's really hard to find but essentially that's why i love street photography because like oh man i would have never known this moment existed
1: yeah that's true it'll never exist again yeah what captures your attention while you're out you know i mean it, that, that's the thing i think to really Keeping your head is, you know, pay attention to what captures your attention. It, it, it changes, um, but obviously there's always the
0: interesting characters dressed differently from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a, a go-to. Um, cliche breaking goto. The yeah, um, I try to typically stay away from cliche shots, and I talk to myself when I'm in the street. Just loud enough where only I can hear myself, so uh, <laughs> people don't think I'm crazy. But what I'm doing is like, nope, that's not a good shot, not interesting. I want to capture interesting. I want to tell stories now. So uh, I try to typically just take pictures, stop taking pictures of people just walking or crossing the street. Um, Yeah. I I grew out of that. I did plenty of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I still do it? Yes. Do I show those photos? No. Uh, That's just because for me, it's more practice now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm trying to, the, the reason why I take those pictures is I'm trying to, I'm anticipating something, hoping that it will happen. If it doesn't, then, again, those I took them, but uh, they're just they're just photos.
2: Nothing interesting. You familiar with Robert Verga? Never heard of him. Yeah, we did. Uh, uh, um,
1: in the magazine, we did uh, a, a video interview with him. He showed some of his work. I, I met him through Harvey Stein. Mm-hmm. He shoots in New York. You definitely to. You have to look into his work. I'll, I'll even give you a link to his uh, website. Just does amazing Black and
2: White. Uh, shoots his only film. M4. And you know, all manual. Um, just, uh, I, I, th- I think you'd really like it just from what, you, what you've been telling me. So, um, what's in the future? What's What's in the future for you? What are you working on?
1: And then beyond that, what's in the future for your podcast? So
0: for me, uh, I'm working on unlimited amounts of projects, some that are still ongoing. (laughs) Uh, Some I've started and haven't taken to the next level yet. Uh, I have a lot of ideas and I, I write them down so I don't lose track of them. And I try to revisit them uh but i'm trying to hopefully make a book uh, i don't mm-hmm. know what i want to make a book on uh, i have ideas but I-, I want it to be meaningful again I'm, i want to
2: make stories that actually or photo stories um just so many projects uh for my podcast
0: <laughs> like i said i i want to talk to everybody everybody that's out there i'm reaching out i am interviewing i'm recording uh, I got a few people to interview or talk to later on. Um, I'm trying to make that as big as it can. Uh, it did grow. Uh, so for anyone who's interested, it started off with me alone on my sofa, a coffee table, and my blue stone mic, a cup of coffee, and it was four minutes. That was the first episode, and now I'm going hour, two hours, yeah,
1: having great conversations. Yeah it's uh yeah, it's a lot of fun i uh, i like what you're doing um i like the conversations. do you ever, you ever watch the um the like a conversation youtube videos i i do and i do like them uh, i i started
0: off looking at the ones with very famous photographers that i do like mm-hmm. uh, and um what i do i have a little book and. Every like a conversation because all of them have something different to say. So now I'm actually starting to watch all of them, uh, and I just write down bits and pieces of information mm-hmm. that I feel benefit me in my photography, and I use it. I apply those concepts, those theories, those ideas, uh, and I, I, you know, adopt them as for myself. And I learn from them, and it helps me build and grow as a photographer.
1: Yeah, you know, I think they're excellent. Doesn't matter right. what camera you use um yep. these are all amazing photographers, and even if the person is a bird photographer, you yep. can learn you can learn a lot from them so i I was interested in taking
0: a few Leica Academy classes, and mm-hmm. even on their website, they tell you it doesn't matter what camera you use yeah, so you can sign up for the class and if you're shooting with Sony, Fujifilm, Canon, whatever you're no. shooting,
1: yeah they'll still let you take it yeah why not Yeah, they'll take your money they're good at that oh yeah that they will (laughs) yeah stella johnson does one virtual one like Mm -hmm. it's like every sunday i really want to take that she's great storyteller i would say
0: for anyone who's interested in in taking a class just do it you'll learn something you know i'm in a photojournalism class now and that's uh i wanted to ask you about that you can ask me. Uh, I, I did. I, I just finished the first uh, unit, and I'm in the second one. But the, the ending of the first one, I learned something I didn't know before.
1: Yeah. And who are you taking that through? Uh, New York Institute of Photography. And so what are you getting out of the photojournalism class? What, you know, what's your biggest takeaway from that so far? Uh, so
0: I'm just going to say uh, I paid for it, so why not? Um, variety. <laughs> Uh, They're they're teaching me how to tell better stories. So again, going back to me walking in the street and and learning from the 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 better photographers. uh, I want to make interesting photos. So um, my first assignment that I submitted, uh, I I got good feedback, uh, but there wasn't enough variety, right? Mm -hmm. So um, for me, what I thought was a good story could have been better right and it just pretty much boiled down to selecting a better group of photos to tell the story so variety
1: yeah that's good we you know we obviously see lots of stories come through here Mm -hmm. many times you'll see photographs of the same
2: thing yeah from different angles or even slightly different angle and you need you need more,
0: oh yeah, so i've I've speak yep. to a lot of street photographers, and uh, that's something I tell them, like you, you're essentially making the same photograph, so yes, uh, my assignment was a little challenging because I could only select five, and yeah that's that's
1: where it's challenging for yep. the variety. That's what we do. We force people to keep it to eight. they'll give us they'll send you five hundred if you let them oh, yeah. But- we want eight, seven, whatever. It's a good number. Yeah.
0: Constraints. If I, had eight, like- I probably, I probably would have got a a better, a better <laughs> recording from from
1: the instructor.
2: <laughs> it's like
1: it's like one camera, one lens. You've got constraints. Mm-hmm. So work within those constraints. You become more creative. I will. So I will say. Um, and a lot of people on the like
0: conversations, they say this as well, especially ones who created photo books. Mm-hmm. Um, sequencing yes if people are really interested in learning to create photo stories uh, listen to these people talk and learn sequencing sequencing is is very important so i, I create okay. zine zines i don't know mm-hmm. the proper word uh, yeah, i do my whatever. own yeah i made about 43 so far really um and see, i really got good at sequencing um you do want your photos to match and you want to keep them in in a theme you know you don't want to have a picture of an apple and then on the next page is a, a house unless there's an apple tree in front of the house and then you have the same thing, but
1: yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I just, it's nice to have somebody give you feedback. And I, I was out shooting the other day and I sent some to Craig Litton, who's a photojournalist. journalist. Mm-hmm. I sent him several photos. What do you think? And he goes, Oh, you know, these are good. He goes, this one doesn't belong. And he was right; it didn't belong, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of a sequence. And uh, so it's nice, to, nice to get feedback like that. Um, all right, well, we're about ready to wrap up here. I could go on; you know, I can talk about this stuff all day long. So,
0: <laughs> same
1: thing. <laughs> we try, we try to keep it to about an hour. But uh, so, so, where can people find find you? And and where can they see your work
0: i only use instagram it's the only social media i have and uh my handle is xx underscore
2: ixvi underscore xx so what does that mean is that roman so, numerals for
1: it is roman numerals no um <laughs>
0: I just took my daughter's birthday and I, I oh. kind of Roman numeral, numeral it. Right. Oh yeah. So I just, uh, but I didn't do like the whole, the X, like the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, when I was creating the, the Instagram tag, uh, someone had just the uh, IXVI. So I just added the XX underscore just kind of <laughs> for like <laughs> That's clever. Yeah.
1: All right. We'll put a link to that. And then of course we'll put a link to your podcast. Sorry, that. <clears throat> or was it like a street photography podcast, right? Yes, yeah. sir. Like the street photography collective. Oh, that's right. Collective. That's right. Yeah. Like a. Yeah. What's the collective all about? So
0: it's just a collective of street photographers. Yep. Yeah, it's a group of us, and I do have an Instagram for that as well. But uh, that's none of my work, so that's why I didn't shout it out. Um, those are all um, mm-hmm. photographers that I've interviewed. Spoke to uh, guests and just other like a shooters that I find throughout the Instagram world.
2: And can
1: people tag their photos and have them appear? Oh, absolutely. On? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm I'm constantly monitoring uh and searching the tags. Um it's really difficult <laughs> to manage two different Instagrams. Uh yeah. but I, whenever I do, I
1: just kind of spam post on on one. Okay. Maybe I'll sneak a couple in there. Oh yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, anything else you want to say before we go? Um, I that's it. Uh thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. It was a great time, great conversation. Yeah, same here. Same here. Thanks. Thanks for your patience. We had several technical difficulties before we we got this one done. So I appreciate that, especially since it's probably bedtime for you.
0: Oh no, I'm gonna take a nap and get ready to record another podcast. So I'm good to go.
1: Oh my God. Okay. I can't wait to see the next one or hear the next one. All right. Thanks, Ricky. All right. Thank you. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine.